Hello and welcome to Small Biz Pod on Thursday the 24th of March. Coming up on the show today, we have an interview with David Frost, Director General of the British Chambers of Commerce, who will be reacting to Gordon Brown's budget last week and what it means for the business community. We also have an interview with Glenn Watson, who runs an online barter service for small and medium-sized businesses. In addition to that, we have the usual roundup of news and views from the world of small business and enterprise, which I hope will prove useful and interesting to you during the course of the week. One of the major surprises of last week's uh, budget was Gordon Brown's acceptance of the Hampton Review and uh, promises to address the red tape burden facing small and medium-sized businesses across the UK. Uh, red tape's long been a huge bugbear for small businesses, and it's, it's not just time but the bottom line that it hits hard. According to figures from the British Chambers of Commerce, since Labour came to power in 1997, uh, additional regulation has cost employers an incredible £39 billion. Um, I'm very pleased to welcome to Small Biz Pod today the Director General of the British Chambers of Commerce, David Frost. David, welcome. Good morning. Were you surprised that the Chancellor has finally decided to make a start at cutting through some red tape in the UK? Um, well, as you know, uh, a lot of uh, thought, a lot of time has been spent over many, many years uh, by successive governments to uh, proposals to reduce uh, red tape. Um, you know, these go back to, uh, to Michael Hesseltine, who was going to have a, 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 a bonfire of regulations. Uh, and uh, over the years, actually, we've seen an increase, not a, not a decrease. I think the thing that's different this time um, is that there were two major reports released on the same day. There was the Hampton report that you've referred to, uh, and also one by David Arkless on the Better Regulation uh, ta- Task Force. Uh, and I think um, that this time uh, there has been so much store um, set into reducing uh, uh, red tape on both these uh, reports that I think um, the government is going to have a very difficult time um, rowing back from this. I mean, this is a commitment given by both the Prime Minister um, and the Chancellor and the Secretary of State um, uh, for, for Trade and Industry, who clearly see uh, you know, the issue of red tape harming British competitors. And, are, and I do sense this time a real desire to do something about it. Yes, although um, do you foresee there being actu- an actual reduction in red tape or are we going to be lumbered with, with what we've got and just have no more additional regulation that, that's going to have a negative impact? Well, I think the first thing to do is there's actually some uh, stoppage of the amount of additional legislation and then when we get there, then start to, uh, to, to cut back. Now, we could do that in a variety of ways. We could have um, sunset clauses, so and it's time limited for any new uh, legislation. We could have a situation where every government department that wants to introduce legislation, it would essentially be one in, one out. If you're going to introduce one piece, then you've got to take another piece out before you do that. Uh, so I think uh, the, the first point is actually say to stop it, then start to uh, to pull back. Yeah, okay. Um, so red tape, I mean, has, has, as I said in the intro, been a, a big bugbear for small businesses for some time. Um, although my view is that perhaps because we've had a relatively stable economy over the last uh, seven or so years, uh, that's been a big uh, boon to most small businesses. Um, is red tape really such a big issue? And are, are there any other issues that, that the British Chamber of Commerce is looking at as a priority? Well, red tape most certainly is a, um, a, a problem. Because what we see now uh, in 2005 uh, is that companies that were previously competing with businesses perhaps uh, five or ten miles down the road 
uh, are now day in, day out competing against firms that are six or 9,000 miles away across, across the globe. And these are companies uh, on the other side of the world uh, that do not have the burden of regulations, um, have significantly lower wage costs, uh, and are making their presence felt um, now literally every hour of every day. And if we're going to compete successfully and create wealth, then we've got to have a much more of, a, of an environment that, enc that encourages and, stim and stimulates uh, that competitive environment uh, here. And what our members say is the issues to do with regulation, not least employment legislation, um, is a very significant issue. But, but when it takes up time, importantly, it costs money um, and adds additional cost at a time when they can least afford it. Yeah, which I guess brings me on to uh, my, my final question to you. Um, Gordon Brown's been very vocal over, over the last few years about wanting to establish a, a US-style enterprise culture in, in the UK. Um, how close do you think we are to seeing a, a, an enterprise culture flourishing in the UK? Uh, well, it's unquestionable that the, ch the Chancellor uh, is committed to, uh, to enterprise, and you can see the benefits of the, of the US. And I think particularly if we look at a number of communities up and down this country, beginning with some of the old, older urban industrial areas of the Midlands and, and, and the North, that unless we create um, businesses, unless we create new enterprises uh, there, um, which are going to develop um, but jobs develop uh, growth, and we are, you know, in an area which becomes just literally a dependency environment. Now, I have to say, I think there are some indicators which would, would, would say that, that enterprise is starting to flourish. And I would, you know, show, for example, the success of the TV program uh, Dragons uh, Den, uh, where you know, young, yeah, young people were there pitching their ideas to a group of real um, entrepreneurs. I think the success of the, uh, the Alan Sugar program, um, The Apprentice. Um, which is on at the, at the present time. I think uh, the staggering success of the first National Enterprise Week in November last year would indicate to me that there really is um, um, you know, a great deal of interest from, from young people uh, all the way through schools and through universities uh, to actually starting and developing their own business. So I think there's much more of a, of a pro-enterprise culture. Uh, David, thank you very much. And now on to some small business news. Uh, each week in this section, I plan to take a look around the internet, take a look at the various small business blogs and websites and resources, and highlight some of the more interesting stories for you so you don't have to do all that Googling. Uh, hopefully will be a, a signpost for you to find some of the more interesting stories. We'll also be covering breaking news um, as and when we receive it. So this week, I guess, the budget has been the, the, the major news story uh, for small businesses, particularly the commitment by the Chancellor to cut red tape. But there really wasn't a, a lot much else in uh, the budget related to small businesses. There was a, an increase in the VAT threshold from 58k to 60k. Uh, there were some, some, some incentives for uh, renovators of business property, particularly in inner city areas, which is an interesting subject and, and one which I, I'm sure we'll be coming back to. But other than that, uh, apart from a, a few tweaks here and there, uh, not a great deal else to report. The Liberal Democrats, however, on the uh, political front, uh, have decided that in their manifesto they will make a commitment to reduce red tape by abolishing the Department of Trade and Industry. So quite a radical step there uh, from a party that prides itself on being different from the others. 
Whether or not this is a, a good idea has been much debated, but I think in general what they're planning on doing is actually just separating out the regulatory element of the Department of Trade and Industry uh, from the element that promotes British trade uh, and industry. So perhaps not quite as radical um, as one might have thought from a, a, an initial reading, but who knows, it may be uh, a good idea. Other interesting stories this week that we've seen. Um, bad habits could be ruining your business. Uh, we all have our, our weaknesses um, and the excellent Business Opportunities weblog, uh, you'll find a link to that site on uh, the show notes, the show notes which we will post to www.smallbizpod.co.uk uh, after each show uh, goes out. Uh, so Business Opportunities weblog highlights uh, uh, an article in entrepreneur.com. Uh, it's a US internet site for entrepreneurs, but it lists five ways to identify and indeed do something about the bad habits that could be holding back your business. Uh, it's well worth a read. I know the, the, that I get into bad habits. You get into ways of, uh, of doing things which may actually be impeding uh, progress uh, within your business. Uh, so it's well worth a, a look. Uh, it could actually help give your, your, your business a boost whether you're starting up or whether you've been running one for some time. Other than that, uh, Barclays have confirmed that uh, in a survey that they've done this week that there's been a 13% rise in people starting their own business, uh, a record level for, for this survey. It kind of confirms the official statistics that show there are more businesses now. I think it's nearly reached 4 million in the UK, uh, more small businesses than ever before, or at least in recent memory. And leading the way uh, in this area are trades, according to the Barclays survey. Um, so perhaps all those stories about super-rich plumbers are actually hitting home. So uh, you've decided to set up your own business, uh, but you're, you're not flush with cash, but you do need a new website or a direct marketing campaign or, or maybe even a vending machine for the office. So uh, what do you do? Do you wait until your turnover hits a point where you can afford what your business needs? Or do you go on hand and knee begging to your bank manager for that, uh, that loan extension? Well, there may be um, another way. Um, barter. Uh, I'm very pleased to have with me today uh, Glenn Watson, founder of iBarter, uh, which is a free online business exchange service. Uh, Glenn, welcome. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be on your show. No problem. Um, tell us a little bit about what, what inspired you to set up iBarter and, uh, and how it works. Okay. Uh, iBarter is actually a partnership with myself and Benjamin Ellis from Mad Cow Web Design. We've both been fairly active in the small business uh, circles in the UK for the last year and a half or so. And we decided it was time to give something back and uh, create a website that uh, facilitated bartering between small and uh, medium-sized businesses. For example, if you haven't quite got enough cash to get a website sorted out or you're a little bit short on hosting but you can offer services in another area, then why not barter for the services? So rather than uh, spending, say, £200 on a website, you could offer £200 worth of your product in return for a website being created for you. Sounds like a, a, very, a very sensible uh, idea. And uh, uh, certainly I, I know when I started my business, uh, the expenses and the expense of, of getting your website and your business cards and your, your letterhead printed and so on and so forth mounts up very, very fast. 
Um, so this this sounds like a, a great solution. How does the uh, how does the website work? It, it, it's an online uh, online business, isn't it? The website's an online business. It's actually an introduction to our uh, partner company called iTender. iBarter is actually the free part of iTender. Now, when you log on to iBarter, you literally log on to iBarter.co.uk. That's i-barter.co.uk. And create yourself a username and password, which allows you to go in and browse any of the current barters uh, that are in place, or create your own barters. Uh, we have 11 different categories, ranging from charities, where you can actually offer your services to a charity who may not have uh, any money to procure goods or services, in turn doing the community a great favour, or you might be wishing to offer your services of web design, printing, uh, even just networking for other contacts who can offer complementary skills for your business. Barter might be quite an unusual idea for many. What do they usually ask you about it? What, what do they need to know? I completely agree. The biggest question that we have been asked is how is tax taken into consideration? And uh, users should remember that uh, a barter is, is a cashless transaction. But if you are normally selling your goods or services, then you should take into account that you may be taxed for services provided which you would be anyway if you were to sell the goods or services. So that's just something something to consider. Um, iBarter is obviously, uh, obviously one concept um, online. Um, increasingly, I, I think uh, businesses are, are looking to how they can take advantage of, uh, of customers, reach customers, reach new customers um, using the Internet. Uh, my impression is that, that the post.com slump is... Uh, is beginning to sort of flatten out, and and people are coming back into the or coming back to look at the internet uh, marketplace. I know, Glenn, that that, that you have worked for LastMinute.com, which is, must have been an extremely interesting uh, place to work over the last few years. But have you any views on uh, how the internet uh, and attitudes to, to to the internet are, are developing? I think since the uh, post.com crash, more opportunities are actually opening up now as uh, a lot of the bigger players that used to dominate the market uh, when the uh, internet bubble was growing and growing and uh, finally burst have, have left niches in the market for smaller businesses to fill. And I think the time is right for small businesses to get out there and get themselves a window on the web, uh, even just a basic website, uh, a brochure website, just to uh, just to catch the the passing traffic as more and more uh, people are, are purchasing computers or with the mobile technology these days, people are walking around checking websites on their cell phones. So I think there's there's certainly huge opportunities for anyone in business to start taking advantage again of the opportunities that exist in the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree, Glenn. I mean, I think um, I read something earlier in the week that, uh, that suggested the, the six weeks before Christmas, there was something like 38 billion spent. No, I can't be right. 38 million, maybe. I don't know. But, but a hell of a lot of money, anyway, spent uh, online um, in the, by, by UK customers. So there's clearly a, a great market out there. And despite all the, uh, the concerns about uh, security and phishing and identity fraud, my Im general impression is that your, your average consumer is relatively or, or becoming increasingly confident in, in, in transacting uh, across the Internet. I think most people are starting to accept the Internet more as a sales medium. 
uh, now that they've got online bank accounts and they can access their money freely, they're not so worried about uh, security anymore as a lot of the security uh, layers on websites have been increased. And we're, we're generally finding that people are opening up to purchasing online simply because of the I want it now attitudes that people have as well. The, the fast food of the, uh, of the internet is shopping with companies like Amazon or lastminute.com or Expedia um, or even you know Sainsbury's. We, I do all my shopping uh, for my weekly grocery shop online. And certainly I would never have considered that two or three years ago. No, I, I think it, it brings a whole new uh, concept to, 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 to impulse buying. <laughs> it's, it's very, very easy to impulse buy on the internet, uh, I've found anyway. Um, right, shall we move on to your views, tips? What were the, when you you setting up your own business, what were the, the perhaps three key things that, that you did or, or that you discovered that you could pass on to other businesses looking to start up that, that, that might help them on their way? I think probably my top tip would be to partner up. Um, find a, a suitable business uh, companion or a business mentor or even a friend who has very, very similar interests. Um, what this does is it allows you to increase your knowledge base uh, and experience and offers differing points of view. So you're not arguing with yourself. You can actually argue with your business partner and run different uh, points of view by them, thereby gaining the best for your customers by exploring different points of view up front in the first place. Um, certainly that's my, my top tip. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much, Glenn. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll speak again. In fact, uh, you may well become a, a, a regular guest or, or perhaps even a co-host on the show. So that just about wraps everything up for this week. We will have details of all the conversations and links to sites and further information on our website at www.smallbizpod.co.uk. It's traditional in, in the podcasting world to, uh, to close the show with uh, a little bit of music. Now, uh, those of you who, who know me uh, will know I'm a bit of a an electronica fan so uh, this may well be a first for a, a small business program uh, you may want to turn off at this point or you may want to listen on and, and be exposed to some uh, interesting music so this is from garageband.com which is podcaster friendly music and the band this week is the Clearwater Project with <coughs> excuse me, their track Sympathetic Vibrations of Inspirational Isolation <laughs> 